Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. This is Jamie Malm, and this is another episode of the Advisor Arena Podcast. Josh, you're on with me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Happy to be here and excited for the subject at hand. Yeah, I know. Me too. So we've got a guest on for you all today, Danielle Schwabi, who is our director of events and travel. And Danielle, thank you for hopping on call with us today. I can't think of anything that's probably been harder to an, an area harder to work in the last six months than events and travel. Yeah, it's definitely a hot topic right now. There's a lot happening in the industry as well as just every day-to-day life that's impacted what we're doing. So I'm looking forward to kind of having this great discussion. And I understand you've worked in hospitality for 25 years. You've been an event planner for 20. And we've had you for how long? How long have you been at Gradient? It'll be just about two years in December. So had a lot of great experience with Gala and Summit already and just looking forward to planning more events with us. Well, we're fortunate to have you. And obviously it's no secret that events have taken probably the hardest hit during the pandemic. And that really reaches across all industries. But we are finally starting to see some people gather again. In fact, uh, Josh, I think you and I were just talking about this the other day about some of that national consumer research in which we've been following you know, what are consumers responding to and what kind of marketing messages are resonating with people. That that latest consumer study shows a 20% increase in people returning to crowded activities, which certainly good news for those of us that rely on events to conduct business. I 100% agree. And we are starting to see all over the country, people getting back to doing in-person events. They're hosting seminars, client appreciation events. So it's, it's, feels like it's somewhat getting back to normal here. So I was just on Facebook today and early this morning, couldn't sleep. It was like 5.30 a.m. And you know, people say the worst thing you can do to start your day is roll over and get on social media, but I did that. So I'm seeing on social media, these people have created a group and it's a group trying to figure out what kind of alternative events they can hold because they're so upset their kids can't go trick-or-treating, which I totally get. Halloween is my hands down favorite holiday. Our house is all decked out right now. In fact, if you come over, I have the ugliest, scariest looking zombies of all time on the porch. My sister keeps saying, those are not cute. Get those off your porch. It's not cute decoration. And I said, they're not supposed to be cute. I like Halloween. They're meant to terrify people as they come up. So, <laughs> But I, I thought, how sad for the kids that can't go trick-or-treating. But it gave me an idea, and I don't know, Josh, maybe you've talked to some others about this, but I saw some local businesses were joining in and saying, okay, well, what kind of alternative events could we do to support our trick-or-treaters? And so people were throwing out ideas like, come by my office, I'm going to have you know, candy hanging from the trees outside. They can come by and they can get candy, or I'm going to set out tables out in the parking lot and I'll individually set out candy so they can come and just touch the one that they're taking. Other business owners were talking about like, and this might've been a joke, I don't know, but candy on a stick where they can just stick a, you know, like a, I had in my mind, like a hot dog poker or something like six feet back, but I'll poke the candy out the door at you. So I thought that's kind of a cool idea, right? For our business owners to think outside the box and 
what can they do to one, get involved in the community, do something to get active again and gather people together? Just kind of with the topic for today. Totally agree with you. I, I think it makes it personal when they do things like that. I also think that in the demographic that they're in, who wouldn't want to bring their grandkids, come get some candy, do it in a safe way, see the, you know, the, that business owner, their financial advisor, maybe they haven't seen in a while and have a little fun. So it makes a ton of sense. I am all for it. So speaking of some events and getting back together, and I know nobody just loves statistics, but I really want to make sure those of you that are listening hear these two numbers, because I think these are huge. This is part of the research that was just released a few days ago. So the consumer data that we've been following, you can find it on Win Big Media. It's Philip Stutz um, that will give a summary on this. And it has been spot on. He's done one per month since the pandemic started. So wave eight research was just released. And here's two big statistics. 81% of Americans are quote unquote worried about their financial situation. And at that exact same time, you're seeing an increase of 20% just in the last month, an increase of 20%, not 20% of people, but 20% more than previously are willing to get out and gather and go to events. So that's huge for those of you that are planning for your fourth quarter. And we want to give you some real tangible things, a checklist, ideas, ways that you can do that responsibly, which is why we have Danielle on. So Danielle, let's talk a little bit about quarter four events. They're going to look a little different for sure. What do you think the first thing somebody has to think of if they're trying to imagine getting together in any way, shape or form with somebody this fourth quarter? So yeah, I, I absolutely love that research coming out. I, I, I agree. I'm seeing an increase in the influx in the amount of people wanting to still gather, but do it very responsibly. And I think if anybody is considering hosting a face-to-face event, it's just um, no different than any other event in doing your research. Although this time it's a little bit tricky in that wanting to make sure you spend a lot of time doing that upfront late work and the amount of research you need to do just to be prepared for that event. So starting off with understanding what your audience is. What is the type of event you're looking to plan? Is it at a restaurant? Is it at a movie theater? Is it at a hotel? Knowing and understanding what you want this event to be is going to be pretty much key to every other decision that's being made for you. Knowing how many people are going to be in attendance, that's critical. If you have an event where you're planning for 20 people as opposed to 200, we're talking two different types of venues and sizes. So really understanding your attendees, the amount of people and the demographic of the people that you're gonna be having. Also understanding if it's possible to, you know, get outside of the box and think of something different like maybe having an outside event And of course, depending on whether or not you have the ability to do that, maybe if you're in Phoenix, you definitely do. But here in Minneapolis, we have a little bit of that challenge with weather in in January. But nevertheless, just understanding what that venue requirements are and making sure that that's going to adhere to the type of event you're going to be planning. And again, how many people you're going to be looking for. And then trying to think of just different options, maybe ice skating or a movie night or a local theater company or possible like a zoo lights and maybe not your traditional inside the box or inside the venue type of events that you, you typically throw. See if there's different options for you to create, get creative this year and try something a little different. 
So you just said something there that made me think about an awesome idea that I want to share. You mentioned Phoenix, and obviously they have different weather than those of us in Kansas or Minnesota, where maybe we don't have these same options. But there's plenty of you listening that have great climates. And even in a colder climate, I think you you could probably pull this off. But we have an agent in Arizona. Um, He normally does a big holiday party, a big Christmas party at the end of the year. And obviously, uh, as they're planning, they're trying to plan for a worst case scenario. And they decided to play it safe and say, we assume, you know, we're going to assume we can't get together. So they started planning this months ago and they decided to do a drive through Christmas party. So they they have this big lot and they're going to decorate it with lights and put up a little like winding driveway that's lit up and have different decorations out. And then they're going to have stations. So stations for hot cocoa and stations for little desserts. They're going to have a gift giving station where they hand somebody a gift through the car. They're going to have Santa there. So I thought that's a really I mean, that's a really cool idea for grandparents to bring their grandkids and go through or just something that feels festive, but also feels really safe if you have people that are worried about gathering and getting out and about. And I mean, that's a that's a kind of think outside the box idea where he thought, you know, I I probably will be able to have an event, but in in case I can't, I'm going to do this kind of hybrid event. And that was a really cool idea. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also seeing an increase of like a movie under the stars. So again, warm weather climates, these are another type of fun event where you have outside vendors and then you're able to have that natural social distancing while you're sitting on a blanket or have a chair. You're all cozied up with some hot chocolate, cocoa and watching an out, a movie outside. Um, so really thinking outside venues or spaces, if you have the ability to do so, um, is a great alternative into versus having to do something inside. Okay, so let's assume you have to be inside. Josh, how many people do you think? I mean, think about our advisors that are doing like their client appreciation events. How many people do you think on average we'd have to accommodate? I would think on average 100. I I would say the same. I mean, you've got some obviously that are going to do it bigger and some that are going to do it maybe a little smaller, but I think 100 is a good average. So, Danielle, if we have 100 and they're trying to figure out, well, what kind of venue is going to be the easiest to work with? You mentioned several, like restaurants and hotels. Do you have any advice? Do you know who has been the most lenient during these last few months to to help them get started? Yeah, so right now, uh, what we're seeing in any venue, any um, city destination, that there's a lot of different types of rules and restrictions, and that in itself can be a little, you know, overwhelming. So my suggestion is always to understand again, what type of event you're having, and then go from there to, to look at what venue options are available. If it is around a hundred people, you know, looking to uh, wedding halls or um, far, old farm homes, or you're looking at hotels or restaurants, calling these venues in advance and spending some time doing the research, whether it be on Google or just picking up the phone and having a conversation to understand what those restrictions are is gonna be key to your success. If you're planning for 100 people, the biggest thing that we need to remember is making sure that we have enough space for all of your attendees. Gone are the days of when we used to have a room full of things to do, food, action stations, buffets, bars, all that kind of uh, crammed and squeezed together. Now we're really thinking the opposite approach of lots of uh, available space to allow for the six feet, to allow for social distancing, 
to allow for some different types of room setups, including, you know, spacing out different areas for individuals, a lot more cocktail rounds, and really, again, just maximizing that space ability. So when you look and call a particular venue and you want to plan for somebody or a group size of 100 people, try to think of it in doubles or sometimes in triple capacity. So, for example, if I'm going out looking for a hotel and I want to have about 100 people in attendance, I'm going to look for a property that actually allows for 200 people. And working with those venues and having those phone calls in advance to discuss spaceability and understanding how you can max out that space to adhere to how many guests you're going to plan for is going to be critical because the worst thing we want to do is plan for an event for 100 people, realize social distancing becomes another guideline or another thing, and we end up having to uninvite guests because we don't fit into that space. So really spending the time doing the research in advance, as well as conducting an actual site visit, that's going to be key to understanding whether or not these spaces or venues are going to work for your group. That's a really good tip to say, find a place that can accommodate double who you're trying to invite. And that should give you a good benchmark. So if you're going to have 50 people, find a place that can hold 100. If you're going to invite 100 people, get a place that can hold 200. That's a pretty safe benchmark. That's a good tip. Absolutely. Things like the way in which we set the tables. So maybe in the past we've done rounds of 10. Now we're seeing that only people can accommodate rounds of four with the same table size. So if you think about just that one table and only accommodating four, we're going to have to really max out a space and allow for that social distancing, whether it be with the spacing of the tables or the chairs, or let's say you want to do a presentation on top of that. Now you have AV included. So space really becomes the most important thing in understanding how you want to plan for your event. You said something else that I want to back up to also that I hadn't thought about, but you mentioned when we were talking about venues, um, you mentioned something like an old farmhouse. And Josh, you'll appreciate this as my fellow Kansan on the call, but I watched something over the weekend. There is, and I cannot remember the the name of the organization, but they're uh, like a film crew out of New York, and they were tasked with proving that the flyover states, you know, us middle America um, aren't maybe as boring as we our, our reputation says that we are. So they researched to try to find the most boring town in all of the United States. And they picked Mankato, Kansas, which is not far from where we're at. And so, of course, I'm drawn into this. And these guys come in, they're walking down Main Street. There's, well, first of all, they got there at like eight o'clock at night and it's a absolute ghost town, which made me laugh because I thought that is totally accurate. Um, but the next morning then when people are actually out and about, they start going to like the hair salon and they get then sent to the grocery store. And it's like, we're trying to find a venue. Where are we going to go? They went to somebody's old barn that had been converted to a bar and it was really cool. They did it up with Christmas lights and brought in music and had it all decorated. So thinking outside the box on, on things like that would, I mean, that really opens up some opportunity. That's a cool idea. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, thinking about planning in advance is important, but really understanding what your budget is. So one of the biggest um, obstacles I'm looking at as I'm planning some of our events is really understanding how do these new guidelines, what are these new protocols, how are these things going to change the way in which we plan our events? So for example, I'm having to do additional signage. I'm having to do 
floor clings, which are little circles on the floor saying and reminding everybody, please stay six feet apart. Additional hand sanitizer, um, just cleaning safety procedures. All these additional things to make sure that we're safe and secure are things that we're going to put into play to make sure that our attendees feel safe. So understanding the additional things on top of the budget that you usually plan for is going to be really pivotal in making sure that you're successful in planning your event. Totally agree with that. And I think, Jamie, that is a, a really good point about the barn. Anything you can do like that and make it personal at the end of the day, these client appreciation events are just about building a relationship. So anything really personal like that is going to go a long way. So that's a very good point to make right there. I know you'd be down for a barn party. You'd show up with your Coors Light cooler <laughs> and your boots and you'd be ready to go. Danielle, have you always lived in right, a big city? Right up my alley. I'm sorry, what was that? I was asking Danielle, have you always lived in a big city? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, suburb adjacent, but yeah, pretty much. But the barn parties I've actually thrown um, <laughs> myself, whether it be um, for an offsite venue or I've done quite a few events in, in Wyoming and I, Idaho. And so those ones actually, you're right, are, are really fun. You know, the outdoor campfires, the s'mores, the custom, you know, food and beverage stations outside. Um, again, just playing up into those spaces that are a little bit different. Um, I have a friend who just actually reached out to me if she wants to do um, a bachelorette party, and I suggested that we go to a skating rink um, downtown um, uh, Minneapolis. Now, yes, it's cold, it's freezing in Minneapolis in the winter, but this particular skating rink actually is covered. Um, and so if you think about possibly going to your local um, hockey arenas through the schools that may not be utilizing them, these are just different spaces that you could possibly work with those particular vendors or venues to be able to set up some sort of skating party or maybe an indoor roller rink. Um, those are just different things out of the box that, you know, would provide not only a sense of an activity, but also just a different type of venue. You just said something that made me think like drive-in movies, right? I mean, no, you don't get an opportunity to really present or interact, but if you just wanted to do something that was fun and give somebody a night out and have a little bit of FaceTime, there's all kinds of things that you can still do. Even if you are listening, thinking, I don't think my people are going to gather. I don't think they're going to feel comfortable, you know, totally getting back together face to face. You've got such an opportunity in quarter four to take advantage of this. So Okay, I want to pick your brain a little bit. If we are gathering, we are getting back together. What what's going to change with like food and beverage? I would you know, I would just have to think <laughs> that people have got to be thinking, "Oh my gosh, what do I do? No more like trays of food out, no more buffets." I mean, what is that going to look like? Right, right. The the action stations, the buffets, the family style all those are pretty much kind of trending outward as we really look to our safety and protocol um, measures that we're taking forward to make sure that everybody feels safe. Uh, Prepackaged food without feeling like it's takeout, any individualized wrapped items, so bags of chips versus just having um, you know, potato chips sitting out, offering silverware, napkins that are rolled up in advance, um, any kind of bringing back kind of the old school plated 
menus. So for instance, back in the day, <laughs> we love to have the sit down dinner with a, a dual entree, maybe a fish and a chicken, and it gets served to you. Um, and that kind of went away with some of the trends of the stations and the buffets and really kind of bringing in that full activity. But what's coming back and you're seeing an increase in the properties, especially hotels, bringing back that kind of meal service, because it does limit the touchability. It does give the kitchen a little bit more responsibility and making sure the food is distributed, you know, again, safely. And just kind of working with all of your restaurants or your preferred caterers or your property managers or your meeting planners at those facilities to understand what kind of menus that they're working with right now. Um, any of these particular venues right now, I can guarantee have made big changes to their, their menus and working with their chefs, both locally or um, bringing in outside uh, packaged foods to really adjust to the types of limitations that we have either set by, you know, guidelines or by the property themselves. And so working with and understanding, again, what it is you're trying to accomplish, if you're looking to have just more of a social hour and having some sort of um, heavy, hot and cold hors d'oeuvres versus an actual plated meal, those are some of the things that you can work with your particular vendor on and understanding what kind of food service is available. A lot of times, and just going through and spending some time planning for food and beverage is going to really help, you know, eliminate any of the questions you have. So spending some time with these particular people to understand what the menu is going to be is going to be critical. Is it safe to say then that most vendors are set up for this? Like the advisor is not going to have to handle some of the nuances of like, what do we have to think about if we have a coffee station out? Or what do we have to think about if we do want to serve orders or something? They will have a plan for that. We simply just have to make sure we're asking and then that we are choosing the plan that fits our kind of our, our, our night, our theme, our, our event the best. Oh, absolutely. I think, again, conducting a site visit with these people in advance is going to be really helpful in understanding, like, are masks required? You know, how many people do you sit at the table? How many bars are you looking to set up for? You know, do you offer catering in-house or does that have to come from an outside venue? Um, Most of these properties and facilities do have an understanding of what their latest protocol is or what they're limited to. However, still have an understanding of some of those limitations and still ask those questions. Most hotels, large venues, conference centers definitely have had protocols put in place. Properties like Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott have put together state safe plans and security and guidelines for all of us as um, individual meeting planners or people coming in having social events. However, the smaller the facility or if it's a mom and pop um, type of organization, you're just really going to spend additional time and really understanding that you both understand what those limitations are and plan accordingly. Okay, so quick question. What if somebody attends and then contacts you later to say, hey, I've got a contact trace and I was positive. What responsibility does the advisor have for then reaching out to other attendees? Maybe they don't. I don't know. But what what are you what would you recommend as an event planner? What are we telling advisors to do? How do, how should they handle that? 
So I think the big part of addressing all of this starts with registration. If you have the ability to work with a registration model or possibly just have a, you know, uh, an email in, invite and just have some sort of small disclaimer at the bottom of your email just adhering or saying that you adhere to the safety protocol uh, procedures and recommendations for coming to the event, that's going to give you some sort of understanding that, you know, they're um, accepting that responsibility and coming to your event. Now, if somebody was to call in advance and say, you know, I'm not feeling well, obviously we'd want to follow CDC health guidelines and make sure that we're saying, you know, if you're not feeling well, please don't come to the event. Obviously you'd want you to socially distance, but definitely look to and always go back to CDC health and and your, and your local doctor to understand what it is your specific um, requirements are to make sure that you're feeling safe. If it comes to the point where you're actually at the event and somebody's not feeling well and they come to registration, then I would, you know, suggest possibly asking this person to, you know, again, distance themselves, maybe not come in, maybe have a different type of event for this person or a different um, outing. Again, Safety is the number one thing when you think about planning for anybody, whether it's two people or 200 people. We want to make sure that everybody feels safe and secure. And at any point that somebody is not feeling well, I would be my recommendation to make sure that we ask them to leave. Yeah. What made me think of that is like early on in the pandemic, um, as my gym was closing and then reopening, of course, everybody's a little hesitant when they reopened and we had a few cases if somebody would call the gym, and we're a pretty close-knit group, but let's say somebody called the owners and said, hey, I wanted to let you know I've been exposed to a positive case, they then would let uh, you know the other members know. Now, I haven't gotten one of those in months, which I just realized, and I'm sure that's not because we no longer have any exposure to positive cases. My guess is they're letting probably the health department handle contact tracing, and they totally stepped out of that. You think that's Absolutely. The, I mean, that's probably the same thing we'd want to recommend with advisors is you, it's really not your responsibility to notify other attendees that would come with what they would do with the health department for contact tracing. So maybe exactly. alleviates a little concerns. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, again, a, a gentle reminder prior to coming to the event, you know, make sure that you're wearing your mask, make sure that you're following those guidelines. If you're not feeling well, you know, stay home. And I think that's true of anywhere you go, whether it's the grocery store or kids in school nowadays, you know, it's just that common courtesy of understanding, you know, we don't want to put anybody at risk. So you mentioned something that I want to make sure that we're on the same page and I understood it right. On the registration, obviously, we're not conducting like a big event where they're probably filling out, um, you know, a registration form or something like that. But if it's like a holiday party, a client appreciation event, even a concept event, you could put some kind of waiver on the invite itself. And that would help kind of cover you just to make sure you've gotten that that disclosure out there. Absolutely. Any sort of, you know, again, gentle nudge to remind people that, you know, you are taking precautions. We're, we're following CDC rules recommendations. Um, but at the end of the day, they are coming to an event in which uh, there's possible exposure. But again, we don't want to draw a, an alarming um, or scare anybody off. We just want to make sure that they understand that we are following the guidelines that set forward. Right. Josh, I got to think you're going to bring like pistol fingers back or something to avoid handshaking. 
I'm, I'm going elbow bump the whole time. Elbow Definitely bump. elbow bump. Yeah. I think that's uh, kind of the socially acceptable way to greet somebody these days. I, I hope you take a running start and start chest bumping people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to freak anybody out. There's some, uh, for me, I'm, hey, everybody's a little bit different. I think that's the whole key in all of this is some people are going to be completely open to the idea of getting together in a big group and shaking hands and having fun like that. Other people, not so much. They may want to get together, uh, but maybe keep everybody a little bit, you know, further away. So I think there's some things and we've kind of discussed this before that you could do to maybe let uh, people choose which type of person they are. So maybe a colored uh, wristband or something like that, just to give everybody an idea and help everybody feel comfortable when you're actually at the event yeah i was just somewhere the other day i'm trying to think now where i was but it was like that awkward moment where i went to shake their hand and then i was like oh we don't shake hands anymore and then i kind of backed up and they walked towards me and then they kind of backed up and we laughed and then we ended up shaking hands and i thought they're probably so mad at me that i just (laughs) shook hands and i was fine with it but i i felt like i needed to apologize one way or another like oh i'm sorry i didn't shake your hand or oh gosh i'm so sorry i did just shake your hand so it can be awkward if you haven't thought a little bit before about how you're going to handle that i wish i could remember where i was and even more awkwardly i still didn't say anything about it i just just kind of went on about my day (laughs) but um i think thinking ahead as to you know, are you going to kind of make a joke about it? We don't want to make it too lighthearted, but we don't want to be, you know, so grim and serious and make it feel like everybody's in grave danger for showing up either. So, Danielle, what do you think the what do you think the summit's going to look like? Because obviously we're going to be gathering. We're all used to shaking hands. It's a professional event. What do you think that's going to look like? Elbow bumps? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to go back to Josh's point, I think not summit, but you know, you know, those, uh, name tags that you can write your name on. Hello. My name is, hello. My name is handshake. Hello. My name is this bump. Hello. My name is, you know, stay away. (laughs) I think we can have a little bit of fun with that. And as a true meeting planner, I think it's just a phenomenal icebreaker. What better way to meet people than to say, Oh, Hey, you're a fist bumper too. Or, Oh, you're a six feet away or, you know, let's say hi from a distance. I think, you know, while there's some of these nuances and things that we have to adjust to, there's still different ways for us to incorporate still having that great interaction. And again, what a, what heck of a icebreaker to start off that conversation and hello, my name is. So I think it's a great idea. Um, in terms of summit, there's, you know, quite a few things that we're looking at in, in, in terms of making sure that everybody feels safe and secure, you know, from getting you on the plane and making sure that you have masks and you feel comfortable, whether it be on the plane or driving yourself, um, as you check into the hotel and, and, and really just, you know, allowing for the least amount of interaction when it comes to lines or standing or waiting and just having that, um, you know, less visibility however, still feeling that we're there for you. Um, and just having some very quick turnaround things that'll take place like registration, um, just getting you in and out of your sleeping rooms, the feeling secure, knowing that those rooms have been cleaned and that we're there to make sure that, you know, at any point that, if there's anything that comes up where somebody doesn't feel comfortable, we're working with the property to ensure your safety. Other things like making sure that we have plenty of maximized space for people to feel spread out. 
again, having additional bars, having different types of food stations. A lot of the food that we might be serving is going to come with an attendant. So typically you see those attendants maybe at a meat carving station or some sort of specialty station. What you're seeing now is an increase of just even your basic buffets are still taking place where you're going to have an attendant that actually puts that on the plate for you. And that might be behind plexiglass or somebody that's serving that and building that food for you on your plate. So there's still some of those, um, you know, old school kind of stations are taking place, but you're seeing a lot of increase in attendance that are going to make sure that they're the ones that are doing the touching. We're putting in place things like coffee stations and uh, sodas and and water stations that, again, an attendant's going to be handing it to you out of a cooler, and that's just the one touch to you service versus having people go in and grab whatever they want. Um, Gone are the days of, like, baskets of... um, cookies or baskets of fruit, whole fruit. Again, it's going to be individually packaged and then served directly to you to make sure that we're always adhering to that, to that cleanliness standard. Other things that we're going to be doing is just making sure that your event space, um, working with the hotel, you know, having those constant um, cleaning stations, we're having hand sanitizer stations, giving you just your own personal sanitary kit. These are all some ideas that we're going to be putting together for you so everybody feels comfortable while in attendance. Really good ideas. I, I know a lot of people have been customizing masks and doing some of that or even customizing little bottles of hand sanitizer. We had uh, an agent most recently do just a little fun drive up luncheon. So he handed out some material on a certain concept. I can't even recall now what it was, social security or legacy planning or the secure act or, you know, you could do anything, but they had box lunches ready. And then they had goodie bags filled with things from local places like essential oils and hand sanitizer and masks. So you could have those ready and to hand out at your event too. Plus it's some branded swag that you could have available. So I think there's lots of really cool ideas you could do there that, um, you know, tie in with your event. And a lot of what we've talked about, like plated food and a hundred people, those are obviously big, you know, annual events like a holiday party, a Christmas party, an end of year event of some sort. If you're talking like educational workshops or seminars, people most definitely want the info. I mean, my stat that 81% of people are worried about their future financial situation tells you they want the info. If they're not willing, though, to come and sit and gather and eat with somebody for an hour after you present, do an Uber Eats or send them out with a box dinner or something like that. I mean, there's lots of things you can do, especially if you're just doing a quick educational event where you don't have to serve a plated meal. That's more for an actual client event. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. Um, A lot of those traditional type of things are coming back again. So I think where the, um, the exciting part, at least for me and my job right now is, you know, your your traditional box lunch that's maybe a sandwich, how can we liven that up so it does feel like, you know, it's a little bit more thoughtful. Um, So having some unique ideas and creativity behind what that food could be in that type of box lunch, those are the things that we're starting to work with the hotels on. Can we do, um, you know, something that's totally, quite literally out of the box, but in the box. (laughs) So food and, um, and the idea of creating some really fun menus in those types of takeaway boxes. Um, you know, those are the things that you're going to see start to change a little bit in that creativity behind it. So I have one 
funny story to share here as we wrap up. I my daughter was confirmed yesterday, so we went to church and it's the only the second time I've been since COVID because they go, you know, they were they weren't holding in person church forever and then it was by alphabetical order and you know only a certain amount so yesterday was just the family of the confirmand so we go in um lots of rules in place obviously you can only sit every other pew they don't hand out bulletins at the door they place them individually out on tables so we picked up one so we were the only one that touched it they don't pass the offering plate so multiple people aren't touching the plate um lots of little things like that we, ha- we did communion though yesterday and I kept looking at my older daughter and my husband and I said, are we really going up there? Are they really gonna have us come up there? I didn't know what they were gonna do. So they had individual little glasses of juice. We do juice, not wine. But the, the pastor dug through all the wafers and then touched and handed everybody the wafer that we put in our mouths. <laughs> I thought, hmm. <laughs> So I guess my <laughs> advice, if you're having events, would be like, think through the common sense type stuff. <laughs> like all of the other stuff they did was great and I'm not particularly worried about it, but you know there were some elderly people there that are very concerned, at least concerned enough not to put directly into their mouth something that came out of the bare hands of somebody else. I just, I thought it was so funny because it wasn't even something we would have probably ever thought about before. But I thought, surely they're not. Surely that's not how they're going to deliver it to us. And sure enough, handed it right to us, popped right in our mouth. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if that is key to planning any type of event, you know, putting yourself as an attendee in that position and literally walking yourself through step by step of how this would take place, how this would affect me, you know, and just walking through the entire event, that is, you know, going to pull out a lot of different ideas or things that maybe you never thought of. Uh, things exactly like who's going to be touching that cookie or, you know, can we do this thing that we've always done? You know, maybe you've always done a cookie exchange. Well, maybe this time it's a contactless cookie exchange, you know, or instead of having, you know, open bar, you have a master mixologist where they're actually showing you a demo in front of you or a food demo. It's just kind of, you know, pivoting into a different type of event and and planning around, you know, the execution of how things can still be really, really fun, but in a different, safe and secure way. I love that. Okay. So next steps, Josh, what are we, what are we forgetting? Somebody wants to go start planning for Q4. What are your thoughts? What do they need to do? So for me, I think the, the kind of the three key things you need to really think about when it comes to planning your event is number one, how hard is it going to be to execute the event? So if you're going to do a 200 person event, that's probably right now with the different guidelines and things like that, that we got to follow going to be a lot more difficult to pull off than a 50 person event. So you need to think about from a just number standpoint, how difficult is it going to be to execute? And then also, I think uh, as far as your venue goes and the type of event you're going to do, you need to think about how tough all that's going to be. Uh, for the other thing you got away with it is the cost. Is, is it cost effective based on our new guidelines and the new things we have to follow? And then the third thing for me would be what type of event do I want to have based on the client interaction that I want to have. Do I want to have a lot of client interaction? If I do, maybe I want to do something like, uh, 
you know, a barbecue or a gift exchange or something like that, as opposed to a movie night where there's probably not going to be as much execution. So I think those are three things that everybody needs to consider when it comes to planning their event. And then the good news is, We've got gradient. We've got experts at gradient. Danielle, for one, I mean, you've seen our summit events and the events she pulls off for us, always top notch. So if you've got experts that you can rely on like her to help you do things uh, so that it's, you know, it just feels comfortable to everybody, which I'm not a big detail guy. I would need somebody like her in my corner to do this. I think that's also important to consider. And Danielle, you have a checklist that you use that you are willing to make available to our listeners, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And these are just, you know, great recommendations. Um, But always, you know, go out to your local, you know, vendors and ask them if they have a checklist readily available. There's a lot of times that they have these wonderful, you know, plans of action to help you kind of put together all your logistics. But I have a document that I would love to share with you guys. Awesome. So if you guys want that, reach out to Josh or I. Um, We'll put a reminder in the show notes, uh, but just call us, drop us a message, um, go out to the advisorarena.com. That's where all of the information is located. You can get directly to episodes from there. You can get to all of the team resources that we put together, plus our contact info. So theadvisorarena.com. Danielle, thank you so much. We're looking forward to helping agents with this last quarter and really going out with a bang this year. So thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Danielle. Everybody have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.